Welcome to 2024. With the 2024 election on the horizon, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine, and numerous other foreign policy and domestic news stories, it's never been more important to stay informed. The DSR Network has you covered, with experts across all of these stories, to bring you the analysis and commentary of the stories that matter. Later this month, the DSR Network will introduce the TNR Daily, featuring Greg Sargent, formerly of the Washington Post, and a close friend of the show. Don't miss a moment of our coverage. Become a member of the DSR Network today. Members receive exclusive bonus content, the opportunity to attend DSR live events, a members-only Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and more. For the month of January, receive 50% off your first year of membership. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSR2024 at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSR2024. Thank you for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm David Rothkopf, joined today, as always, by Chris Cottonmore. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. And Riley Fessler, how are you doing, Riley? Doing well. As always, Chris and Riley have several stories from out there in the world, and we're going to look into them and talk a little bit about what they mean. Chris, what do you have first? Some good news out of Ukraine for a change. Um in a significant development, Ukraine and Russia have exchanged prisoners. Um, around 200 prisoners on the Ukrainian side were released, and around 250 Russian prisoners were released. The deal was brokered uh, by the United Arab Emirates, um, for which the nations were grateful. Um, after yesterday's report on Russia and Ukraine and what's going on, I, I guess this is a a positive step, although later in the podcast we'll have some uh, other Ukrainian news, um, but, they, but a good step. I, I, I just wonder, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, David, or not, but um, what's the UAE's role here and what do they gain from brokering this deal? I don't know. You know, um, as, as people know, we, we've done some work with them around uh, COP28, and we, we, we uh, do some uh, podcasts uh, uh, with uh, their support. And so I, I want to flag that because I don't want people to think that we have a bias one way or another. But having said that, um, uh, you know, they have, they have become more active uh, diplomatically around the world, presenting themselves as a kind of an independent um, uh, or honest broker between parties, uh, have the ability through good relations with Russia and also through the West to, to, to do things like that. And it's constructive. Uh, you know, we're, we're nowhere closer to a solution of this conflict because Putin and his folks who are the only ones, you know, who can actually end it, um, uh, uh, haven't shown any, uh, in indication to end it quite contrary, but, any exchanges, anything that reduces tension, anything that uh, in particular helps uh, those on the ground in Ukraine has got to be welcomed. Riley, 
Well, uh, former President Donald Trump uh, has unsurprisingly challenged officially the rulings in Colorado, uh, keeping him from the ballot. This is to the surprise of, I think, no one. Uh, I think we all knew this was coming, but the clock is ticking on a final decision for this, given that uh, the law dictates that overseas ballots need to be mailed by January 20th. Um, so the clock is ticking. We've only got a couple weeks before these ballots need to go out. Um, and there's concern that his name will be on the ballot. Um, even if he's end up get, even if he ends up getting kicked off of it, that people end up basically just throwing their vote away if his name is on there. So both his lawyers and the lawyers, uh, representing the voters of Colorado want to see a speedy resolution to this, um, to get some kind of finality. Uh, we'll see what the Supreme Court says. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy decision, but I'm curious what they'll say and what the defense will be. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, there's there's ongoing debate about this, and you know, you know, most of it's taking place in you know the Twitterverse. So good, it'll be good to see it enter the courts. The 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 Trump uh, document was really astonishingly badly put together. And those of you who watched assessments of it on uh, cable news show have seen it sort of demolished because it's I, I, Trump is a bad legal team and, uh, and their arguments they make are, are extremely um, weak. Uh, the, the Supreme court's going to have to bend over backwards to get around the fact that the constitution is pretty clear on this. Uh, uh, they probably will bend over backwards on that point, uh, as many people expect them uh, to sort of give him a pass on this, but not on his claim of sweeping presidential immunity. Um, but we're going to start to see that, you know, real soon. And, uh, you know, the federal case uh, regarding uh, the immunity claim uh, is uh, in front of a D.C. court early next week. Um, and, uh, you know, this is obviously going to be one of the big stories of the year to see whether a Trump is held accountable and B whether these various legal cases against Trump have any effect whatsoever on his, uh, candidacy. Um, I thought when, you know, you said Trump was objecting at the beginning that you were going to talk about the Jeffrey Epstein lists that are coming out. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll no doubt get to those when, some of the bigger tranches um, uh, deal more with Epstein. The first—I mean, with Trump—the the, the first batch we got out yesterday did have some interesting tidbits about people like Alan Dershowitz. Um, uh, but but you know, we'll keep an eye on that for you folks because uh, it's a certainly a, a story that is of some interest uh, and may have some political importance. Chris. In a not-so-surprising uh, Ukrainian development, um, it was revealed that Russian hackers infiltrated Ukraine's largest telecom system, impacting around 24 million users in the month of December, though it was revealed that the hackers actually gained access to the system in May 2023. Speculation centers around the fact that they were gathering uh, information, personal information on um, individuals. Um, 
But, you know, one of the, th- I think one of the things we will be paying very, very close attention to in 2024 is not only AI, but the rise of, of these types of cyber attacks on countries and individuals. Um, because it's tough to combat. Um, you know, they've been around for, for ages, but they get more and more sophisticated and we, we talked yesterday about if you get a text, an email that looks weird, don't click on the links and and all of that. But these are these these attacks are getting more sophisticated to the point where you almost don't have to click anything. Um, but it's it's going to be a big story, especially with the twenty twenty four election um, and deep fakes and all that uh, goes into that. Yeah, and again, I think one thing to keep in mind is that half of the people in, in the world are going to the ballot box this year. Half of the people in the world. And the you know, there are lots of people out there who would like to undermine or guide those elections, and they have a whole bunch of new tools now. Some of them are cyber, some of them are um uh AI. Uh, the the Russians have been, you know, pretty aggressive in trying to use these things against the Ukrainians, um, uh, and uh, in this particular case, their infiltration of the telecom network um, uh, is, uh, you know, unsurprising but uh, troubling. Um, uh, uh, Clearly, it's good that it has been discovered, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just another sign that that they're waging this war via any means available to them, and. uh, that seems likely to continue um, for the you know foreseeable future, and by that I mean uh, almost certainly uh, throughout the remainder of this year. Riley, well, the controversies continue for Elon Musk uh, this time, coming from SpaceX as it faces accusations uh, from an official from the National Labor Relations Board for unlawfully terminating eight employees over a letter they circulated criticizing Musk. Um, So the complaint alleges that they violated federal labor law, infringing on workers' rights to advocate for better working conditions. Um, The letter was essentially in response to his tweets uh, since 2020, uh, and it was sent in 2022, uh, that they deemed sexually suggestive and conflicting with the company's policies on diversity. Um, And the complaint also alleges that uh, SpaceX interrogated employees, disparaged those involved, and threatened a similar activity with termination. So this is just follows a report in November of last year where Reuters reported 600 unreported uh, workplace injuries, including people's heads being crushed and one death. Um, so SpaceX clearly not the best place to work, putting it lightly, but curious what else this will turn up uh, with that company yeah well you certainly don't want to have your head crushed and 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 i just want to say that's never happened here at the dsr network is that correct chris that's 100 percent correct 100 percent correct so you know we have better we have a better workplace safety record than spacex uh trump i mean um musk I mean, Trump, I mean, Musk, you know, they're the same. Uh, they are manifestations of our darkest fears uh, embodied in strange individuals. But uh, Musk, in this case, is a toxic person. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it is bizarre to me 
that somebody who wants to have his own foreign policy and hobnobs with and elevates Nazis and anti-Semites and has labor practices like this continues to get contracts from the United States government. Um, it, it, is, it, is, it is truly strange, and it is something that is uh, perhaps worthy of some examination in the U.S. Congress, but everybody seems to be a little bit afraid to go after him. Uh, uh, interestingly, by the way, yesterday, a uh, senior official, uh, uh, well, senior uh, officer within the Anti-Defamation League quit because of uh, the president of the Anti-Defamation League's defense of Elon Musk. Um, so it's yet another way in which Musk is controversial and uh, toxic uh, char- character. Chris? And finally, um, because we need more unrest and violence in the world, um, at a uh, commemoration of Qasem Soleimani's fourth anniversary of his assassination, uh, there was a bombing in Iran that killed 84 individuals and wounded uh, around 280 individuals. Um, Nobody has claimed responsibility for the bombing as yet. I have not seen, perhaps you have, um, any statements by the United States, though other nations have condemned the bombings. Um, I'm sure in the coming days, we'll learn more about who actually was responsible um, for for this uh, latest development in Iran. Well, the, the, the Iranians uh, immediately suspected the Israelis. The, the Iranians accused the Israelis of doing anything that goes wrong in their country. Uh, by, by the way, I don't know whether the Israelis had anything to do with this or not. Um, uh, and the United States said, we have no evidence that it was the Israelis. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't, uh, uh, but uh, the U.S. has been quite quick to defend uh, the Israelis on a number of issues. There was also a, a human rights report that was issued and uh, in, 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 you know, sort of laid out some cases against the Israeli behavior in Gaza. And uh, John Kirby, the NSC spokesperson, said, we see no truth to any of this. Um, uh, it seems to me they're out on pretty thin ice on that one uh, and maybe trying a little bit too hard to defend the Israelis. Uh, but in this particular case, there is no evidence. There's no credible assertion of who was responsible for this. Um, uh, but uh, I suspect uh, that will not deter the Iranians from trying hard to come up with some way to retaliate for it. Um, against the Israelis. Um, uh, And the U.S. has got to sort of keep its head on a swivel on this because of its close association with Israel and uh, because, uh, of course, the United States was responsible for the death of Soleimani in the first place. Riley? Well, I wanted to end on a lighter story, and I know how much of a gamer you are, David. So this one's for you. Uh, a 13-year-old has become the first ever person to beat the original Tetris, uh, which is more impressive when you consider that this year marks the game's 40th anniversary. So he's the first person 40 years to actually get, not to the end, because the game doesn't have an end, but he essentially reached a point where the game could no longer sustain itself and crashed, which uh, the CEO of Tetris, 
recognized as him being the first ever to beat the game. Uh, and it was previously only beaten by AI. So I guess AI isn't taking our jobs yet on this one, uh, which is good to see. But a cool achievement. I thought it was an interesting story, uh, especially given how old the game is, that this finally happened. Uh, I don't know if you're, of your take on this, David. but Well, I did note that the kid uh, managed to beat Tetris sort of 80 levels before the AI beat the Tetris. Um, and, and, you know, the way you beat Tetris is you get to a certain level and essentially you get a screen that says, you know, no moss from, from Tetris, uh, uh, you know, and it's, you know, you know, never, never been done. And Tetris went out of its way to congratulate this kid, uh, for this achievement. You've got to wonder the kid's 13 years old. What, how long has he been playing Tetris? to become this good at it. And, you know, why are his parents letting him spend that much time on Tetris? Uh, the only thing that says to me though, by the way, is it reminds me of the early days of Tetris. Um, because I once, uh, the, uh, I once had a company, a, a, a small media company that didn't make a lot of money, which is my specialty. And, uh, uh, uh called, uh, international media partners. And we, published some magazines and did some conferences. And uh, we had a, an office in, in uh, Greenwich Village in New York. We probably had 20 or 30 people in the office. And it was an open uh, concept office. So everybody was sort of sitting next to everybody. And I would walk down like the aisles where the people were seated sometimes um, just to see what everybody was up to. And all that I, I, I would see is them hitting the escape button but you know because you'd go and, and it was literally like the wave you know they just go click 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 switching off the screen that they were on because everybody was playing tetris like everybody in their spare time was playing this this goofy game of of bricks and gaps and so forth but uh uh it was it was a it was a thing and i, I find it kind of amazing that it is still a thing you guys should watch if you haven't seen it the Tetris movie that was on uh, on Apple TV, which oh, yeah. goes into detail about how the game was actually brought to the United States and, of course, included Russia. It was what do you mean? Fascinating. Included, Russia was involved with this game. Yeah, Russia was involved. Russia was trying to um, keep the rights because I believe. It was created by a developer uh, in Russia, and the United States, um, a, a, a person went over there to negotiate the rights of the game, and it was this whole like political drama. Um, yeah, I love those tech movies. I was just watching one the other day about the guy who beat the hedge funds. Um, you know, it was a, like a, a trader who used the internet to bring down the hedge funds. I think Michael Sarah was in it and he was in his basement in Boston and he was just ultimately called before Congress and everything else. And it was just, I don't know the, the, these, the, these stories are always very, um, and entertaining. These are the Westerns of today <laughs> where, you know, these sort of our strange little heroes, nerds in their basements. Um, uh, uh, you know, come out and uh, 
uh, uh, fight for truth and justice, um, or you know, high multiple. Uh, anyway, um, well, uh, that's a great story. Uh, thank you for that, Riley. Uh, thank you, Chris, for uh, everything. Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Uh, later today, what's the podcast we have later today, Riley? We have our normal Wednesday show uh, with Alan and Corey about the latest in the Middle East. So stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah, that's that. right. The normal Wednesday show didn't occur on Wednesday because... I had a power outage because I live in Washington, D.C., the capital of the free world, and we did not have internet. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully that will be over today. And then tomorrow we will um, do a uh, podcast on politics and a look at 2024. Uh, we were going to do a look at the law this week, and uh, one of our guests who uh, you will uh I, I will not mention because the, they got sick, but they got sick. And so uh, they'll be back next week or the week after, and we'll have that conversation uh, then. I suspect there will be many, many, many podcasts this year about the law. Uh, until then, thanks, Riley. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.